Well, there's church, and so uh, children get go in the back, and Paul's walking down the middle aisle, and he'll uh, escort you over to our children's experience uh, during this uh, worship this worship hour. It's interesting as, as I was hearing uh, Mark ask about uh, when you think of Jesus, what words come out of your mouth? What just reminds you about who he is? And and uh, most of us came out with responses about what Jesus does. He redeems. He forgives. He gives mercy. Shows compassion. It's interesting if you were to ask that question of a a uh, person of Jewish descent, they would not respond that way. They would not respond with the things that God does or what Jesus does. They would respond in word pictures. They say, when you think of Jesus, uh, what comes to your mind? And they would say, well, I would think of Jesus as being the rock or, or the shepherd or, or the bread of life or the living water. And, and as, we think about, as we think about Jesus, Jesus presents himself in so many different ways so that we might not know him intellectually, but we might know him in our experience, and be able to visualize his role in our life. And as we think about God's word, that's really what God wants to do in us as we interact with the truth, is he wants us to, to meet with him, and not only meet with him, but have his word speak into our lives so that we might live in ways that demonstrate that we know him, and uh, he's directing our path. And so before we look in God's word again, uh, let's look to the Lord one more time in prayer, and then we're going to be uh, seeing some things, hopefully this morning, that will... Uh, speak into our lives. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to uh, rejoice in the, in the presence of our God. We thank you for the opportunity to look at truth delivered not just from man, but from God himself. And Father, we pray that we might be able to, uh, to stand on that rock that gives us our foundation, that we might learn lessons that, that will lead us in life, and more than anything else, that we might encounter a God in a deeper way because of our time spent together. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, uh, we, are, we are continuing our series in the book of Genesis, and uh, Genesis is all about beginnings, and it seems like it's been a, a number of weeks since we've been there. We've had a couple opportunities to listen from Ian, and then also Brandon as well, and so I, I want to do a quick, quick, uh, just bring us up to speed as far as where we've been, and then also what we're going to be looking at this morning. Uh, Genesis is the first book in the Bible. In fact, if you can't find a book in the Bible, that's probably one of the easiest, easiest one to find, and there should be a Bible around you. I encourage you to pick one out uh, and turn to that very first book. It's the beginning, not only of God's revelation to us, but it's the beginning of so many different things. The, probably the, one of the most familiar verses in the Bible is Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And as we think about it, it was the beginning of everything that we experience. It's the beginning of of, of life as we now experience in terms of the, the planet we're on. And then uh, it goes on, it continues with the, the first, the beginnings. In chapter 2, we have the beginning of marriage. The family is instituted. In chapter 3, kind of the bad news, we got the beginning of sin. Evil enters into this world. In, in chapter 4, in Genesis, we have the beginning of the results of sin entering into this world. And, what, and the results of sin was murder, even within the family, um, Cain and Abel, Cain taking his brother's life. And then in Genesis chapter 5, we have the beginning of the reality of death. There's one thing that we can know about our life, and I think it was Benjamin Franklin said, we can always count that there will always be taxes, but there will always be death. And the reality of death just became so true to the life that God had given into this planet. In Genesis chapter 6, we have the beginning of, of, of God's object lesson for us, and that was the beginning of the flood. God's grace is demonstrated, but God brought judgment onto this world. In Genesis chapter 7, we have God rescuing his people, uh, particularly Noah and his family. In Genesis chapter 8, we have God bringing judgment upon the rest of this planet. 
Well, in Genesis chapter 9, and this is where we are today, we, ha- we have the beginning of what happens when you get off the boat. Have you ever uh, met someone, maybe they're a tourist, or maybe uh, they're just something kind of new to the community, and, and, and they're just acting a little strangely? And it's like they, they, they don't know the customs, they don't know the culture, they don't know what's going on, and, and they just, they're not getting it. And sometimes you might say, well, what, did you just get off the boat? Like, you just get over from wherever you've been and you have no clue? Well, well think about Noah. Noah, everything in his life had changed. Everything as he had experienced was now different. And so as Noah and Mrs. Noah and the three sons uh, got off that little ship uh, called the Ark, uh, life was now to be lived in a whole different way. But as they got off this plan, I'm sure they were, li- they were trying to experience two extremes. One is, okay, the hammer came down on the entire planet and judgment entered this world. Well, maybe when God starts over, maybe, maybe we're going to have the Garden of Eden revisited and everything will be perfect. But when they got off the boat, everything wasn't perfect. And they were also on the other extreme, wondering if God was going to throw the hammer on them and they would experience that judgment. And he would start all over again with a, a new uh, creation. But God promised them that he would not, through the flood, bring total annihilation to the planet in terms of the life other than a few chosen ones that experienced his grace. But then he was to live life. And I don't know if you know, maybe for this phrase, that, that life happens, that all kinds of things happen. And that began to be their experience. One thing they brought on that boat with them was a tendency to do things that weren't right, to do tendency to things that were sinful. Even though God's grace had prevented them from experiencing the judgment because of sin, they had brought sin on that boat, and they were beginning to encounter some consequences for their actions. Now this morning, the message is is a very simple one. It's be careful, not fearful. And if um, some of you are here new this morning or didn't hear some of the rumors about maybe my experience where I didn't just get off the boat, I wasn't on a sea-faring vessel, but I was kind of off in the wilderness a little bit, and, and uh, I had to learn this experience firsthand. Be careful as well as not being fearful. And, and this, is, this is one of those messages where um, it, it's, it's kind of dangerous for me um, in, in a variety of different ways. I got an email from Lynn this past week, and she said from last Sunday, I, I didn't get to talk to you uh, much on Saturday. I'm glad you're okay. And then this phrase, I hope Alice isn't mad at you anymore. <laughs> uh, I, I refuse to answer that question on the grounds that it might... Okay, anyway, it is... is uh, uh, yes, yes. Uh, um, Alice is more disappointed than mad at me. Uh, she, she actually, when she realized I was going to tell you a little of my story, she wasn't really sure she wanted to hear the story again or le- relive it. And, and the reason is because she's a little concerned that what I did might be repeated, right? And... And the reason it would be repeated is because I wouldn't be careful in the future. And so this morning what I want to do, I want to not only tell you a little bit about my experience, but I want to, I want to give you the, the story of, of Noah as well as he got off the boat. And hopefully you, you get this point if you don't get it throughout the message, is all of us have different areas in our life that are points 
where our lives would go down a wrong path. And not only bring us pain and the consequences of actions that do not help us but hurt us, but it, that, that ripple effect can impact other lives as well. And so we, we need to be careful for the testimony of God's name, but also for the, the love and sake of others that we care about. Now, there's two points in this message. The most important message, because it relates to the one I need to apply, is be careful. The part I'm not going to preach a whole lot about is, if you get that part of it, my, my desire for you is not to live a life of fear. God doesn't want us to be afraid about what might happen next. And part of the reason I want to emphasize it is that there's only a certain amount of circumstances in our lives that we can't control. Have you figured that out? You know, things happen even when you are careful. And so don't live a life of fear, live a life of faith. But within that, we need to be careful. So let's, uh, let's jump into the text a little bit and uh, we'll see how, uh, how this message plays out a little bit. I'm not really sure what's going to go, and I guess I'll get the analysis of this message afterwards when I get home. All right. <laughs> Be careful, not fearful. Really? Uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 18, it says this, Therefore, be careful how you walk. And that particularly relates to me because I went on a walk. Be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. And I guess I ought to tell you the, the Reader's Digest version of what happened. Is that I, I went on a... Uh, I went on a three-mile jog with, uh, with, with Steve Morris on a vacation. We got up at 6 o'clock, went, ran around the lake, and then, and then I said, let's go for a bike ride. So then we went on a bike ride for five miles. And then um, Steve, who never gets in trouble with Patsy, realized that he needed to get, he needed to get back for the kids. And I said, well, you just go back. I'm only going to be gone a little bit longer than you. All right? And so uh, I, I got to the end of the destination where I wanted to, and there was something I wanted to discover. And so I went off path, and I left my bike on the larger path in which we were riding on, and went down some ravines looking for a particular thing that I was interested in, which doesn't really matter what I was interested in, but I was going on an adventure. Well, that proceeded to last from, if you talk about when we got up in the morning, 6 in the morning, till about 3.30 or 4 in the afternoon, uh, when I was to be expected back around 8.30, all right, in the morning, so... <laughs> I went on a little longer jaunt than I was supposed to, okay? So you could say that when I went for a walk, I wasn't particularly, the word beginning with letter C, careful. Be careful how you walk. Now here's where God kind of meddles a little bit. He says, not only be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. So if you were to describe me what I, what I did on that particular Thursday morning when I went on, instead of a hour and a half journey, and I went on a nine-hour journey, I could be described as what kind of a man? And unwise. Un You're a little bit too quick with that. A little, little bit, just a little bit too quick with that. All right. All right. Not as unwise men, but as wise. You know, making the most of your time, which I didn't particularly do, making the most of your time, because the days are evil, or you could say because the days are dangerous, all right? Uh, so then, do not be foolish. Not only can you call me unwise, but you could also call me foolish. A little less enthusiasm. I appreciate that. All right. But understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine for that is a waste, a dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. Now, when we are 
walking with God, when we are falling after his path, we are under the influence of the Spirit of God. And when we're under the influence of the Spirit of God, seeking his guidance, one of the ways you can measure that's actually what you are doing is you're not walking in a foolish way, you're walking in a wise way. And so my plea for us who are, because we're in this place, uh, trying to discover something about God, is that God has a pretty plain word to us. He wants us to live, and the word walk is, is also a word picture to the, our course of life. He wants us to do it where we're under his guidance, and we can know whether we're under his guidance when we're making wise choices, wise decisions, rather than foolish and unwise decisions. So that's my simple point to you today, is, is you walk with God and you're trying to figure, am I, am I really in, in God's will? And, and, and let me just you know, stand over here for a moment. There are two parts of God's will. One is the part that is very clear. God has revealed it. For instance, if you're angry at someone um, in, a, in, a, in a real intense, passionate way, let me give you a clue. The Bible says, do not murder, all right? So God's will for you is not to go out and murder someone if you are that inclined, so mad at somebody that you want to take their life. That's kind of how Alice felt after I got back. All right, you know, God, God reveals principles. There's, and we could go the, the things that God has said, thou shalt do this and thou shalt not do that. But there are other parts of our walk where we're saying, well, you know, God hasn't said anything here. God hasn't said, you know, where should you work? Uh, what's the name of the person you... You might marry if you're not married. If you're already married, he's already told you that's the person you ought to stay married to. Uh, but, you know, God, God ha- there's a subjective part of God's will. Well, the subjective part of God's will, let me just put it this way, can be probably most understood is if you were walking the wise walk, if you're walking in the light, if you're walking according to God's direction in his word, then you're being directed by him. But when you're walking foolishly, you're not walking in the will of God. So, very plainly, the message is, be careful, be wise, not foolish. Now, the part I'm not going to preach on, because Alice thinks I would tend to go this direction too far, would be, but not fearful. The Bible says, for instance, in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Now, one of the things, when I came back, they were glad that I was clothed and in my right mind, but, but the thing is is, is, is God does not want us to live a life of fear. That, that should never be part of our experience in life. We ought to be aware of a real danger and things that we ought to be careful about, but we should not be controlled by fear. Joshua 1.9 says this, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. A lot of people have asked me, well, what were you feeling when you were lost, you know, for, you know, basically nine hours, all right? And I'll tell you some of the things that kind of aggravated that being lost for nine hours. But, but you know, were, were you afraid? Um, I, I can honestly say that I was not fearful. Um, I felt very foolish, but I was not fearful. Because whatever situation you're in, whether it's because of what you have done or what other people have done to you, who always goes with you? God does. 
Now, I was more concerned about what other people were going through more than what I was going through. But that still doesn't mean that what I did, because I didn't have, you know, a, a, a stop sign on what I did because of my lack of fear, that what I did was not foolish. And one of the things they have now made me do a blood oath to is that I will never do that again, all right? And part of the story, and I don't know what kind of order I'm going to be doing this, is that this wasn't the first time I've gone on a journey that lasted a little bit longer than it was supposed to. And so you could say, I didn't learn from past mistakes. There are two ways to learn. One is learning um, from your own mistakes, and it's one is learning from other people's mistakes, right? You know, learn, it, yeah, there's certain things you just need to be careful about. But what I want to do is I want us to look at a story of a man who also wasn't careful. And it was in a particular area. I, I want to I pinpoint that area, and then I want to weave back my story and what I should have done differently. If you have your Bibles, look at Genesis chapter 9. In Genesis chapter 9, we have... Them off the boat, they're now beginning life again. Things are starting to become normal. They're beginning to be comfortable in the new land a little bit and, uh, and starting their, their life together. Uh, Genesis chapter 9, verse 18. Now the sons of Noah who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham was the father of Canaan, which is interesting. This is the only, in this particular chapter, the only offspring of one of the three sons who were, who were married, uh, and, and actually Ham, we know, had four children, but only one of them is recorded in this particular chapter, and it's his fourth son, it's not even his first, which is an unusual as well, was the father of Shem, and these were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was populated. We have a common ancestry. There's, there's really only one race in the world today. You know, racism is something mankind has invented. We are all of the same race. We all came from Adam and Eve. We all came from Noah and his three sons. There are some differences within us because of the places our, our family line were populated in when the, the, the population in the world was dispersed. But we all came from one race, one family. And so there's really no reason to be racist. Uh, but continuing on the story, verse 20. And Noah began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. And when you plant a vineyard, you usually grow what? Grapes. Well, he liked the grapes, then he drank of the wine and was drunk. Now, I want you just to take that. It's, it's one thing about drinking of the wine. It's another thing to get what? Drunk. Remember that passage we started with? Um, in, in Ephesians chapter 5, where it says, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time. And then it says, Do not be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. It says, Do not get drunk with what? With wine. And so right here, we see Noah not being careful. He begins to become foolish. And he takes what God has provided. He, God has provided grapes. In that particular day, fermentation was, was part of the way that they would survive because they did not have access to easy refrigeration. And so God allowed that to make um, drinks healthy. Uh, but what he did was wasn't careful about how much he drank of the wine and what proportions he drank in terms of the fruit of the vine. We, we have today, as far as drinks, you can have 
um, you know, drinks or mixed drinks, all right? And particularly in that day, what they had to do with the fruit of the vine, they would actually make that vine a, a great paste. Sometimes it would even be boiled. And then they would take that paste and they would put water to it. Now, if you had a, a paste that was fermented, and if you wanted to be careful that you did not take that step of getting drunk, which would be under the influence of alcohol, beyond your ability to function wisely, as you put the grape with the water, and if you want to make sure that you did not uh, succumb to being uh, drunk, you would add a lot of water to the paste, right? The, the less water, the more alcoholic content. The more water, the less alcoholic content. We don't have the detail here whether he drank a lot, a lot, a lot of wine, or he drank a portion of wine that was so high in alcoholic content that he was now under the influence of alcohol. Well, what happened? What happened as a result of not being wise? Well, then he drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father, in other words, he was this buck naked, all right? And Ham, the father, came and saw the nakedness of his father and, and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and, and laid it on both of their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. The faces, their faces were turned away and they did not see their father's nakedness. Now, basically, you have here, you have a very Reader's Digest account of the story. But what happened is when Ham went in there, one of the three sons, he saw his, his dad and said, look at this. Look at our dad, man. This, I mean, he's like, he doesn't have a stitch on him. He, I don't know if he was laughing at him or ridiculing him or whatever, but he was dishonoring his father. Now, the, the, the Ten Commandments haven't come here, but inherent in, in terms of God instituting the family is that, is that we are to honor our fathers and mothers. And what was happening here is Ham, who was a believer, we're not talking about people, a person who doesn't know God, if he wasn't a believer, he wouldn't have been on the boat. And so we can all succumb, whether we know God or not, to foolish uh, choices and, and, and foolish directions. Ham comes in there and, and he says, hey, I, I'm a join seeing our, our father ridicule. I'm going to bring my brothers in here as well. But when they heard that, their response was, I, I don't want to ridicule my dad. Uh, and our father, and so they walked in backwards, took a garment, and threw it over Noah. Now, at, at this point, it, it seems rather innocent. Okay, he, he got a little drunk, got a little crazy, took off all his clothes, kind of embarrassed himself. I mean, what's the big deal here? Well, it seems to be that little things matter to God, all right? And, and then here we have verse 24. So Noah woke from his wine and knew that his younger son had done what, what his younger son had done to him. Now, I don't know how he knew that. I mean, he was asleep. But it's quite possible that maybe Ham left a few things there to, to remind him about what he had done and who saw him when he did, had done it. And then he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and may he dwell in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. And Noah lived after the flood 350 years, so all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. Now let's back up a little bit. Because of Ham's act, God, through Noah, did not give words of judgment to Ham, his son, 
but he gave words of judgment, which was really a prophecy saying what was going to be true in the heart of Canaan. Canaan would not follow after the ways of God, would fall in rebellion against God. And this might have been triggered by the action of Ham, his father. And because of this, Canaan would now be subservient to the rest of the, the three sons' future descendants. And if you look at the story, and we don't have time to go through that, is, is God works through his people. And eventually he takes them to his prom, the promised land. And that prom, promised land is the land of Canaan. That was the land that became so filled with evil that judgment had to come on the land before God's people could inhabit it. Now, now what, what's the simple point I want to make here? Is our actions influence not only our own lives, but also influences the lives of other people? And what happened here, we, don't, we, we can't make this walk on all fours here, but the action of Ham may be observed or heard by way of story through the line that, that Canaan said, hey, I know, my God, I know my dad's into God, but I'm not going to be a God. I'm going to go my own way. And, and, and what happened is, the godly lineage from Ham missed Canaan. And so the little things that we do, the choices that we make, can impact others in a great way or a bad way. Now, let's just focus on what happened here. What Noah did is he he took either too much wine or he took wine that was so high in alcoholic content that he not only got a little buzzed, he got, he got wasted. And because he did that, he, he did some things that, that provoked his sons, or at least one of his sons, to go down a path that influenced his own sons. What does the Bible say about alcohol? And, and here we're going to race through some things, and then I want to weave my story a little bit. And here's, here's the simple point I want to make. Watch what you drink and, and what you do after you drink. The, first of all, does the Bible say that, that wine is evil or alcohol is evil? And, and wine that makes the glad the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread which strengthens the man's heart. The Bible says there, there's a place where, where alcoholic drinks can be a positive thing. Uh, it makes the heart of man glad. It brings uh, uh, you know, joy to, a, to an experience. Isaiah 25, 6 says, The Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples. This is looking into the, the kingdom that God is going to uh, put together on this mountain. A banquet of aged wine, choice places with marrow, and refined aged wine. So uh, the Bible says, even in that passage I, I, I read to begin with, be careful um, and do not get drunk with wine. It doesn't say you can't drink wine at all, but do not be under its influence. Now, the, the problem, however, we have in our world today is, is not that the, 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 the reality of alcoholic beverages is is culturally acceptable is that people are not careful with it. And some people who ought to be avoiding it are not avoiding it, they're participating in it. Beyond their ability, for whatever reason, to live responsibly or carefully or wisely or not foolishly. And what we need to realize 
that the wine in the days of the Old Testament as well as the, the wine in the, in the days of the New Testament is much different than most alcoholic beverages we have today. The whole process of distillation, which allows alcoholic beverages to have huge levels of alcoholic content, did not happen until a thousand years after the New Testament times. The, the wine, the fermentation, was a blessing of God, a gift by God, so, so those who did not have access, again, to refrigeration could have the possibility to, to drink water that was healthy or to have a drink that was healthy. We all know in certain countries, countries you go to, and the first thing they tell you in those countries is don't drink the water. You, you better get bottled waters. You better be sure that someone's not going outside and just filling out, out, the, out the, off the hose outside that you get waters or you'll get extremely sick. And, and so, so God uh, allowed the fermentation process to allow people to, to be able to drink healthy drinks in the desert and all kinds of places. God is not against alcohol completely, but he does warn us to be very, very careful. And and let me just give you a few illustrations of that. In Leviticus chapter 10, verses 8 through 10, uh, he told those who were going to be leading spiritually and religiously, particularly the priests, and this is the Old Testament, this is not a a commandment of the New Testament, but it says this, Then the Lord spoke to Aaron, who was of the priestly uh, tribe, saying, Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink. You nor your sons with you, when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations that you may distinguish between holy and unholy and between unclean and clean. What God was saying there, I want to draw a line so that people realize that when you are leading in worship, you're not under the influence of the spirits, but under the influence of the spirit. And that has always been a challenge down through the ages when many religions surface a lot of them get involved in all kinds of orgies and heights of ecstatic experiences, and a lot of that is brought on by alcohol. And God said, I don't want to be any, I don't want that to be touched at all among my people who are going to be peculiar. So the leaders should not lead worship under any temptation or possibility of being under the influence of alcohol. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1, through 3, 1 and 3, says this, This is a faithful saying. If a man desires a position of a bishop, he desires a good work, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. Now, the idea of not given to wine doesn't say you can't drink wine at all if you lead spiritually, but he said you better not be given to it. That, might, that better not be a habit by which you cross that line. And again, you're leading under the influence of the spirits, alcohol, rather than the spirit. And so there's a warning to those in spiritual leadership, be very careful about, about alcohol. But this is true not only in the spiritual realm, it's also true in terms of the governmental realm. Look at Proverbs chapter uh, 31, verses 4 and 5. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. God did not want people in political leadership to be, again, leading, uh, not in a right mind, and not being wise in terms of what they do. What are some of the dangers of, of alcohol? Proverbs 20, verse 1, wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. 
Proverbs 23, verses 31 through 33. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. Habakkuk 2, verses 15 and 16. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbor, pressing him to your, bat, to your bottle, even to make him drunk, that you may look on his nakedness. You are filled with shame instead of glory. You also drink and be exposed as uncircumcised. The cup of the Lord's right hand will be turned against you and utter shame shall be on your glory. Now, the reason I read that last passage is it's interesting with Noah, also repeated in Habakkuk, and also seen in our day today as well. If you've ever done reading or... or uh, <laughs> just aware of what's happening in our culture today. When guys and gals are together and the alcohol begins to flow, do you know what happens often very soon after that? The clothes come what? Off. You could probably trace just about every date rape and it's connected with what? Alcohol. When you want to get somebody a little bit loose, get their intermissions down, what do you, what, what do, you do? You, you, just, you just feed them alcohol. Now, let me very be very plain here. Um, I, I, am, I am not against people being able to drink responsibly. I, 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 can, I have vacation with people who drink alcohol. I have family members who drink alcohol. I have no problem with people drinking alcohol. What I am trying to tell you is whatever you do in life, you are to be, and this is the C word, what? Careful. And as it relates to what happened in Noah's day, and this is why I wanted to base this message that I'm going to try to bring my story back into, is the issue here is walking the wise walk. And to walk the wise walk, you need to be careful. The reason I got lost is I didn't think I was going to get lost. When most people who get drunk don't think they're going to get what? Drunk. I mean, there, there is, there is a, a group of people out there who live for the weekends and looking to get drunk. I, I read one statistic this week. Uh, 23% of the people in America consume 76% of the alcohol in America. Now, th those are the ones who are looking to get drunk. They, they want that buzz. They're just living for the weekend. Um, I'm not going to read that story, but in, in the last two passages, uh, particularly Genesis chapter 19, you can even look at the experience of Lot and his, and his, his daughters. And when they thought that they were going to be childless, that there was no one that they could connect with, what did they do? They got their, their dad drunk, and the clothes came off. Now, the message is, is, that, is that we need to be careful. Our, our choices have consequences. And there are consequences not only for our own life, but for the lives that we care about. Now, now what happened to me? Um, yeah, I went for a walk. I actually went for a run, and then I 
Then I went for a, a ride, and then I went for adventure. First part of it was okay, I had somebody with me, and then I sent them back. And then, then I went off path. Now, when, when I went off path, I, I wasn't planning to get lost. But if you've ever been where you're, where you're in trails and ravines and they kind of weave back and forth, uh, and you're on a trail for a while and, and you're looking to, just to see things, when you turn around, you begin to realize, man, everything looks the same again. I was talking to Alan afterwards, who was a fireman and done all that kind of stuff. And, even I, and he says, I, I have a really good sense of direction. And actually, I feel I do have a pretty good sense of direction. I might be delusional there. But, but, but you know, you get in certain spots, after a while, things just all look the same. And see, my, my problem was not an overestimate, you know, overestimating my ability to, to navigate a path I'd never been on and get back was my, my error was even putting myself in that position. And, and there's certain things probably in every one of our lives that, that, that for you, you should never put yourself in that position again. Because when you know you're in that path, bad things happen to you or to people you care about. There, there are a number of things in my life I, I just don't do because I, I'm... You know, I am careful and don't want to go down that path. Uh, you know, one of the reasons, some people all the time will ask, well, why don't you drink? And, and, do you feel, and I say, well, I feel I could drink. I have the freedom to drink. I, I think uh, people who can drink responsibly, that's, that's fine. But there's a part of my personality that's kind of obsessive-compulsive. You could say I might have a little bit of an addictive personality. I, you know, I... I some people you actually call me stubborn. You know, I, you know, there, there's, you know, and you know, I, I don't want to play with that fire. And, and there's certain things that that have more danger than others, and particularly for me, I, I, I probably, if you ever see me at a, a dessert bar, you know, I, I don't stop with one, and I, I probably wouldn't stop with one drink either. I mean, I can handle that. And so, uh, from that standpoint, I, I have. Uh, self-assess myself as the weaker brother. You know, I, I, I can't handle it. Maybe you can handle it, but I, I can't handle it. And the dangers are great, uh, you know, have grave consequences. You know, some people say, well, you know, people drink, but how about all the people who eat too much? Well, I think eating too much is something we all ought to work on, but, you know, you know MAD does not stand for Mothers Against Dunkin' Donuts, all right? <laughs> It's mothers against drunk drivers because of the consequences of being under the influence of alcohol while you're driving. Not only hurts you, but can devastate families. I don't know if I shared in this story, but there's a, a, a you know, newer uh, lady that's been em, embraced by, uh, in their oikos to come to church. Her name's Shadi. She's from Iranian background. And last week, her son died of a drunk driver. He was driving, and someone, an 18-year-old plowed into him, killed him, and put his wife in a coma. And they have two children under four. Now, obviously, that 18-year-old wasn't careful. Now, for some of you who want to hear some of the story, there might be a little bit less music at the end of this service, is uh, uh, our worship. 
you know, I got off path. And, and this is usually what happens when, okay, you really, okay, I, I, I probably should not have done what I have done. And, and, and the, if I haven't said this already, I've already made a commitment, I will not do that again, okay? I, you know, I've, I've put my family in five different, I don't think it was five, I think it was only two, but anyway, five other times where I was a little bit longer than, you know, uh, one was not nine hours, one was 22 hours, but we won't tell that story. But, all right, so I, I got off path, all right? And so then I go, okay, i got to get on path. So I, I diligently retraced my steps two or three or four times. And I probably got to a point where I was only about 50 yards away from the bike that I put off the path. But for whatever reason, it, it just, I couldn't get that last turn to get onto the main path in which Steve and I had rode on. So at that point, you go, now what do I do? Well, there's a couple options. And, and I could have taken either one of those options that would have been better. One, I could have just stayed there, be embarrassed, you know, had a hit to my pride and wait for people to come and yell for me, and then I would have just followed their voice and got up to that path. One reason I didn't, there's reasons why I didn't always take some of this. At that point, I had searched so hard, you know, I wasn't sure exactly where I would be in earshot. When you get in certain ravines, you're going to, it's not going to be that easy to hear people call out for you. So then I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to try to get to that path. And so I, I went through a variety of, of, of steps to do that. And part of it is trying to find higher ground. Well, the place to get higher ground, there, there was so much brush, so much tree, so much overgrowth. You know, you know, I, uh, you know, I was pretty bloodied up by the time I got to some of those spots. Not, not in any dangerous way, just kind of a dramatic way. I mean, I was, I was cut quite a few places. But I got it to higher ground. And they're like, all right. And then I was able to discover where a, uh, a path was, a a significant path, and, and climbed up to that. At that point, I'm thinking, I've made it, all right? And, and, and I'm looking at my watch. It's not that late at that point. It's about, about 9.30, and I'm supposed to be back by maybe 8.30. So I'm thinking, man, if I really book it, I'm going to get back, and I'm only going to be a little in trouble, all right? So, so uh, I go up one direction thinking, okay, this is where I had looped around. It looked like I, I, there was, there was a mountain bike trails, I mean, you can see the tread on the, on, on the path, and I'm going up there, and I'm going, and, and then, I, then I even start to jog. I'm starting to jog to get back. Okay, I'm just really booking. I get to the one spot, I go, no, I must have looped a different way. So then I retrace my steps and go down. Now, at that point, if I just wanted to get back, I knew I could continue down toward what could have been King's Canyon, which would have been a 15-mile walk, but, I, but, I, but then I was thinking, you know, I knew I could get back because I was headed toward water. But then I'm thinking, man, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be so fearful of this. I don't know what time I get back. I, I think if I go retrace my steps and cut over, then I'll be able to at least get to maybe a 10-mile creek road, hitch a ride, get back down the campsite, and maybe I'm only two hours late. All right. Well, so then I retrace my steps, and at that point, you know, I have already extended myself in the morning. If you've heard, I didn't take any water with me, but I wasn't going to be gone that long. I mean, I didn't need the water because I wasn't going to be gone that long. So, so, and again, the bottom line is, be careful, don't do this anymore, all right? So uh, you don't go hiking on off-course trails at all, you know, and I won't tell you the stories where I've done it before. But anyway, is, is so I, I get back up, I retrace my steps after probably going seven or eight miles down a path, go seven or eight miles back up really going hard. And at that time, I began to think, you know, this heat wave starting to impact me, all right? <laughs> and so I haven't had any liquids for probably six hours or whatever it was. And, 
and, and now I'm getting rather parched, all right? So I'm slowing down my path a little bit, get to the point where I'm thinking I'm going to loop over, and all of a sudden, I don't come to a fork in the road, I come to a three-way highway, all right? And I'm going, now what do I do? You know? I recognize the number on one of the, uh, uh, the roads, they had a number on it, and I think, I, I think I remember, I think when I, the, the day before, when I climbed up with my, t- uh, my, son, uh, my oldest son and his wife up to uh, uh, that rock, what's that called, rock's called there, Alice? Buck Rock, uh, the day before, I go, I remember that road. That cuts over to Ten Mile Creek Road. I'm going to go there, and I'm hoping that's just a straight shot. And, and so, he, now here's the humbling part, which I don't like to tell about myself, is that at that point, um, I'm, you know, I've, I, I'm not that tired, but I am depleted in terms of hydration. I'm, I, I'm totally dehydrated, okay? So I, there, it, this, 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 this part I don't like to tell, but I, I could, when I, was, when I was cutting over, I'm thinking, you know, if I just keep at it, I'm going to get to this road, hitch a ride, get down, and, and uh, it came to a point I could only go about 75 yards at a time. I have to lay down. I started getting dry heaves, and uh, I, I really wasn't fearful for myself, but I was thinking, oh, man, they're not going to be too happy with me, <laughs> you know. But I think if I just keep going, so I would go ways, lie down, go away, away lie down. I, you know, I, I, I didn't have much in me, okay? And so I, I said, God, I could use a little help. <laughs> and, uh, but I just kept going, and uh, this one Jeep comes by uh, who uh, hadn't been notified that I was, I was uh, lost, uh, which, interesting enough, if you haven't heard this, when, when they... When they notify I was lost, Patsy comes into the place later on and says, uh, have, have you heard about that, that uh, guy's loss? And she, they go, yeah, there's, there's this elderly gentleman who's... <laughs> I'm thinking, what the... <laughs> so I was this elderly gentleman that was on this cane okay, out there. So she goes, no, 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 he's not... Well, I guess he is 60. So anyway, so, um, so uh, anyway, they came by and... Uh, uh, Said, can you? Can I? We we help you? I go. Yeah. Could you give me a hitch back to Hume Lake? And they go. What are you doing out here? Well, that's a long story. But it, but anyway, what I discovered afterwards that the path I was on would have been another 25 miles before I got any place to get back. So uh, yeah, it was a God thing that I got out of that. But. Um, you know, I, uh, yeah, I wasn't careful. And, and just like, um, you know, 68 million people, Americans, are not careful with alcohol who are classified alcoholics. And just like there's between 80 and 100,000 deaths directly related to alcohol, which does not even speak of the, the, the lies that are taken on the highway because of alcohol. There's, there's so many areas where we're not careful about. And, and, and what God wants us to understand is that, just like Noah, I mean, he was a farmer, had a vineyard, had grapes, God blessed them, but he, 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 he took a little bit too much. And, and I took way too much in terms of the path I went on. And what I want to leave you this morning is, what is it, what is it that... Maybe you're just fooling yourself with because you're just not careful. 
uh, it, it might be, and there's so many other things I'm going to tell you, but it, it might be something physical, some things you're just participating in, drinking. Maybe it's what you're watching on screens that, oh, it's just, it's just pictures of people. But it's more than pictures of people. It's just, it's polluting your mind. Maybe, maybe it's some good things in your life. But, but those good things are, are crowding out the best things in your life. I could, I could go down that path as well. There's a lot of things I enjoy that I just don't participate in because it crowds out. I can't, I can't say yes to certain things unless I say no to other things. And they say, well, but I've, got, I've tried to go down that path before and I haven't been able to do that. I got to, um, Matt Aldridge uh, has good friends, Mike Mertel, and got to know that he's, he, and he wanted to get off tobacco because it was just ruining his health and everything else, and he's had, had some victory. Isn't that right, Matt? Nod your head like I'm not just making this up. Okay, is, uh, you know, is, how do you do it? Well, you know, a couple years ago, Mike became a Christian. And he's had a path, he's had a struggle down, he's had all kinds of challenges. But it gives us not only the direction of what we ought to do, but the power to do it. You know, my, my wife is wondering, is he going to do it again? Well, by God's grace, I will not do it again. But I had to come to that point, I should have come to that point a long time ago, where I wasn't going to do it again. And today is the first day of the rest of your life. What's the thing that you need to do? For some of you, it might be, I need to embrace Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That's the most important step. It's admitting your need. You know, I had to admit my need that I, I, I can't go down that path of going on that adventure feeling that I'm safe. If not for my sake, for the sake of those who care about me. But then I, I need to, to really believe that Jesus Christ will give me the power to, to do what I need to do. And for some of you, it's believing that he can forgive you of your sins and then make that commitment to follow him. I've gone 20 minutes over time. That's, now I've got to apologize for my sins. But, uh, but let's, uh, let's just spend some time talking with God and ask him to search your heart. What is it that you need to be careful about? Some of you, maybe, it's the other part I didn't preach on. What is it you need to not be fearful about? And there's a lot of things. I mean, we've got people in our church that are going through a lot of things. And you wonder, where, where is God in this? Don't be fearful. Let's pray. Father, all of us uh, need to depend upon you and, and not ourselves. All of us need to know you and then to ask your guidance. And as we close the service, I don't even know how we're going to close the service this morning, but help us all to be honest. Help us not to be in denial. Help us to be open to your spirit. Help us to recognize that you that your plan and your way is best and step by step you will give us the power to follow in your ways. In Jesus' name I pray.